0: It's so easy to lose yourself and who you are in
1: any given moment when you've had a big life change. What are you made of? Are you made of stuff that can deal with this? Are you going to face this with this attitude or with that attitude? What do you
0: choose? Have that moment where you kind of completely lose it, but then you pick yourself back up.
1: Having done the work on myself, those things can change. They're not permanent and they are not part of me. And I'm excited by that because it was important to me. It's now important for me to like help other people do the same.
0: Have you ever wondered how successful businesses and thought leaders keep landing those big media opportunities and keep the buzz going around what they're up to? It's not just by chance. They're all using the power of storytelling. I'm Nicola J. Rowley, and with over 25 years in the media as both a journalist and PR expert, I'm here to help you unlock the story potential for both you and your brand. Everything starts with a story. This is the Power of Storytelling podcast. Hello there. It's brilliant to have you with us on this latest episode of The Power of Storytelling. And today I have a fabulous guest with me who I'm really excited about bringing to you because she has one of the most inspirational, I think, stories that there is. Because she has been through so much to actually be here with us today. And She's not only one of the U.K.'s leading psychologists and psychotherapists. She not only helps business owners, leaders excel so they become the best version of themselves, but she also runs another business called Boom, which enables women who are having an identity crisis to be able to find a like-minded community, find support and actually find themselves again it's so important and having been through that whole process myself um, I completely understand why she is doing what she is doing Uh, the one and only Nova Cobben. Nova it is so brilliant to have you here with us today thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me lovely to be here. And Nova I've alluded to the fact that you have quite a big story things happened to you over probably over the last 18 months i think is probably a good kind of time frame to talk about why don't you tell our listeners what it was that happened and how that has now transpired
1: for you so um over that period of time um there's sort of a, a bigger backstory but that period of time um i so i decided to do um a genetic test Online. Um, It wasn't an online test, they sent it to you, but I saw the advert online. Um, Because at the time I was struggling with like stomach issues and I'd been, I'd had a um, perforated bowel and I was very, very poorly and really wanted to figure out what on earth had caused it. So I took this test, a DNA test, sent it off, um, waited for the results to come back. And I'd got a quite a comprehensive test. So it looked at lots and lots of different things. Um, and when it came back, um, it didn't tell me an awful lot about my stomach, which was rather disappointing But what it did flag completely unexpectedly was that I was a carrier of something called the BRCA2 gene. And this is a hereditary gene, which uh, basically means that you have a very, very high chance of getting breast cancer, ovarian cancer, pancreatic cancer, and melanoma. Um, So at first, I just sort of was like, oh, I don't know what that means, you know, that funny words. Okay, fine. Well, there we go. Um, and then actually, as I kind of told a few people um, and looked more into the results, it said, you know, you really need to speak to your GP about this. this is something quite serious. And I remember my mum sort of going, oh, that's, um, that's to do with like breast cancer and stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. Didn't really think a huge amount of it until I spoke to my GP and the GP was sort of outlining, okay, well, this is the process now that you've told us that you have that. What we do is we do a hysterectomy and we do a double mastectomy. And I was like, what? (laughs) Um, And it all suddenly became a lot more serious. And because it was passed down my father's line, I actually didn't really know why I would, why I would have had it. Cause I was like, well, my mom doesn't have a history of breast cancer. That's not in her family. And of course the traditional view is that it comes down through the mother, but mine had come through my father's line. So his mother and his mother's mother, which is as far back as we go in our knowledge, um, had both died quite early deaths of breast cancer. So, um, that's where the connection was. Um, so, yeah, then I was just thrown into this world of, well, we need to have consultants' appointments, we need to do MRIs, we need to do um, all of these uh, scans and things on a regular basis, and we need to put you on the list for all of this surgery. Um, so, lucky for me, um, I've already had my children. So, um, having the hysterectomy was um, not so much of a, a big deal from that point of view. Um, although, the Kind of flip side of that is that it does send you immediately and fully into menopause. As soon as the operation is done, that's it. You're in menopause. Um, so then the effects of that kind of kicking quite quickly. So I, that was quite overwhelming. Um, and then not long after, so I had that in the December and then, uh, just four weeks ago, I had my double mastectomy straight to implants. So, um, I didn't go flat so I just, and I didn't had the option of having a boob recreated for me from my stomach fat. Um, which surprisingly to me, which was news to me was I didn't have enough stomach fat yet. Um, I could grow it if I wanted to, um, but I didn't have enough yet to actually recreate two, um, two breasts from that. Um, and also, although they could do it and, and create a sort of small um, mound there, uh, the recovery time was a lot, lot longer and the operation was a lot, lot longer as well. Um, and with the recovery time and having a small Child at home, my daughter's only four, that seemed like an unfeasible option for now. So I went straight to implant. And I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm just coming out the other side of that now. So, um, yeah, it's been a big 18 months. I think for me,
0: what I find so inspiring about your story is that you have just taken everything in your stride. Now, I know that obviously your background as a psychologist, psychotherapist is that you focus on mindset and everything else. But what you've just gone through would have quite easily flawed the majority of us because that's, it's such a massive change on so many fronts. I mean, you mentioned about going into the menopause straight away overnight, you're in there. That's a big deal. I mean, I guess, you know, it was one of those things. Did you know that that was going to be the case or did it just, it just suddenly happened and it was like, okay, this is something else we have to deal with as part of this whole thing.
1: I didn't know immediately. Um, I didn't know really until sort of the operation was booked. And I I mean, I probably logically could have put two and two together actually, and figured that out for myself, but I didn't, it just wasn't kind of in my, um, it wasn't something that I was thinking about Um, And then once that was put to me by the consultant, they said, you know, we will, um, you will go straight into menopause, but we will also refer you for HRT and you can kind of explore the right mix for you. And that took a while to get right, actually. You know, when you go through menopause, obviously, um, there are lots of other things like your skin looks older and you're, you know, you're not sleeping very well. And there are so many things that change over time ordinarily. But of course, it was slam overnight, as you said, that was relatively difficult to kind of get my head around. Or, um, but, but as you said, I did, I've never really kind of taken either of them as a big deal. And, and that's not to in any way diminish anyone else's experience of it, because I think it is a big deal and it is a big operation to go through. Um, and both of them are are serious. Um, but for me, and it, it always sounds really, really strange when I say it to people, for me, it was kind of like a challenge that I was up for. It was like, okay, well, you know, that that's, let's find out who you are. Let's find out who you are. And that's the way that I guess I like to approach things is what are you made of Nova? Are you made of stuff that can deal with this? Are you, you know, you're going to face this in, with this attitude or with that attitude? What do you choose? And for me, it was just very much of like, well, thank God. I mean, look how lucky I am. I actually found that out. I found that information out. And not only did I find that information out, there was something I could do about it. So I've never looked at it as um, something that's happening to me. It's definitely something that's happening for me. You know, I found that out. I had a chance to do something about it. I don't have to experience, um, you know, ongoing mammograms and, and MRIs. Um, there is still a chance that I could get cancer, but it is markedly reduced now. Um, and there are, you know, the melanoma and the pancreatic. I can't do anything about those. We can't monitor them either. Um, So if they happen, they happen. But I do sort of see it as a chance to to find out what I'm made of. I quite like that. But it's so inspiring for me
0: to hear that take on something so major, because I think sometimes we can get news and it completely floors us. And there are ways that you can either go forward with things. And this is like anything in life. You can either Okay, have that moment where you kind of completely lose it, but then you pick yourself back up. Or there are people that kind of they get the news and they dwell in that news and they can't get beyond that news, and then it just consumes them. And I think having known you for that length of time before you had any of your operations, when you you just found out basically the news that you had the BRCA two gene, you were very much well, I'm just, this is just going to happen. And it's, it's just one of those things. I was literally in awe of you, I have to say, because you have literally just faced it like, a okay, this is a challenge and we're going to go out there and we're going to, you know, embrace every single part of this and every single stage. And I think for me, what I really loved as well is that you actually took people with you on the journey. So you actually were telling your story as you went through. So tell us a little bit about that because you actually set up an Instagram account, didn't you? So people can follow you through that whole journey.
1: Yeah, I thought it was really important to kind of talk about um, difficult journeys that people go on and the different ways in which you can kind of approach that. Not in any way to sort of be like, oh, this is how you should handle it at all, but just explore it, just to explore, you know, and I didn't really know how I was going to feel either. You know, I knew the attitude I was going to take, but I didn't know if the reality would be different. You know, I didn't know whether I would wake up after each operation and suddenly feel awful or, or, or feel very depressed or, uh, or any of those kind of things. And I think, you know, I, I am, I'm, I had postnatal depression. I, you know, I had postnatal depression for a year after I had Noah. Um, I've had anxiety before I've, I've had panic attacks before. And so for me, it was, it, it was almost just a strengthening piece for me as well of like, look how far I've come in that. This is how when things happened or when I, you know, was facing big things, I would often respond in ways that I didn't ever want to revisit again. So it was really important to me and it wasn't forced at all but uh, it was just it was just naturally there at that point but it was important for me to document like this is how in the past things have flawed me and having done the work on myself which has taken a really long time by the way it wasn't overnight but having done that work this is where I am now. And this is kind of like the attitude that I, uh, that I'm able to have and the way in which I'm seeing life. And I'm, uh, and I'm excited by that. And that's exciting for me to just be like, okay, good. Like you can, I can change. I can change. Those things can change. They're not permanent and they are not part of me. They are things that I am a, that, that I can do something about. And that for me was a celebration. So documenting the journey was partly kind of for myself to be like, Okay, great. You know, this is good news. And also so that other people who maybe were struggling could kind of see a different way that that it could be viewed if they if they wanted to. If they wanted to.
0: And you mentioned there about having postnatal depression. I I believe that I have undiagnosed postnatal depression and it it went on for quite a while, I also had separation anxiety, so I completely understand where you 're coming from in terms of off the back of you know having a child going through panic attacks like the depression, all of those kind of things anxiety it it kind of it can take over if you allow it to It completely can change everything, and I know from my point of view. I had to do a lot of work on my mindset to get myself back. How did you cope when you were at that stage with postnatal depression and you know having panic attacks and everything else? How did you get on top of all of that?
1: So um when I had postnatal depression was after Noah. So Noah's now uh 18, nearly 19. So it was a long time ago. And um it was I remember describing it as, it feels like my entire world has fallen apart. And that's exactly how it felt. And I felt quite separate from the depression. Like I knew it was there and it was very, very real. And there was nothing I could do about it. It was just there. Um, And there, so there was a sort of part of me that was like, okay, this is happening. I'm experiencing this and I am not going to succumb to it. There was, there was a real need to not succumb and I could feel it dragging me in and I could watch the edges of it closing in. And, and I knew that I had to do something because otherwise I was going to be consumed by it. And there were definitely times where I was consumed by it, but I knew that this was almost, it sounds weird, but almost like a sort of an internal battle with something that had just arrived in my body and in my mind and that I needed to kind of, I needed to do something about that. So, um, I didn't take, uh, any, I was, I was really keen not to take any antidepressants and that's not to put anybody else off taking antidepressants because they can do a, a world of good. But for me, I was like, no, I need to, I want to experience this. I, it's dark and it doesn't feel good, but I need to experience it so I can keep on top of it. I need to know where I am with it. So I took St. John's wards, which is like a, um, sort of natural, um, antidepressant. So I was like, okay, we'll do that. We'll do that. Um, so I took that and then I monitored and I tracked how I was feeling. That was really important. Like just checking in with myself. Another really important thing I did was exercise. So I started and it was a it was a drag and it was hard and i am not naturally inclined towards exercise at all <laughs> um but i made myself get up and go to the gym um and i saw that as a time where it was time for me so that kind of made it easier i was like okay time out we'll go to the gym um so exercise is really important and actually I, even before i went to the gym i just started out with walking more often i'd take nowhere out in the pram and we'd just walk and walk and walk and walk um and that really helped. So um, it was a combination of exercise, of tracking how I was feeling, and and then it was kind of a, a, an exploration of lots of different mindset tools that I looked at uh, with myself. And But the main thing, actually, the reality of it is that the main thing that helped was having a new purpose. Um, and being a mum is a, is a wonderful and amazing purpose in itself. And God, my God, I was so in love with that boy. Still am still I was so in love with that boy. Um, But that on its own felt quite isolating. And we actually moved abroad at the time as well. So I was very isolated. I didn't know anybody. Um, So I needed something to focus on that gave me a bit of meaning, which is when I first started um, my first proper business, if you like, which was a magazine for parents of young children. Um, And that gave me a purpose beyond, um, being a mum, which in itself felt a bit scary. That was a scary role. Um, so I needed something that felt like an anchor and was back to like something intrinsic in that was important to me on top of that. So that, that was kind of, um, they were the things that I used to, to pull myself out of that.
0: And again, like really inspiring. You just, you looked at it in a kind of, right. What is it that I can do? How can I change things? What things can am I in control of? Or what things am I not in control of? And then taking it from there. What I love about you as well is the fact that you naturally want to help others. You naturally want to be out there. You spoke about, you brought out a parenting magazine for other parents who were feeling a similar way to yourself. You currently in your business as a psychologist and the psychotherapist, you help business leaders become the best versions of themselves. And you've set up womb as well, which is all about helping women who may have lost their identity. And I know that you and I completely get this a hundred percent because it's so easy to lose your self and who you are in any given moment when you've had a big life change, whether you're a parent, whether you're a, whatever else it is, if you become a mum for the first time or the second time, or, you know, if that postnatal depression happens or whatever else it is, maybe you've had a loss. Maybe that could be a losing your job or a, a family member or someone that's been close to you. And it makes you look at, your life again, doesn't it? It makes you kind of question everything. Why are you setting this up? Or why have you set this
1: up to support women in the way that you are? You know, it's it it it's all selfish at heart because actually it's all a quest for it's all the quest for self at the end of the day. And and for me it's kind of recognizing in the people that i'm working with okay this is a common theme this is coming up a lot this is happening to a lot of people and it's happened to me therefore there must be something there must be some solution and if i can find the solution or if i can find a way through or if i can find the best um, tools or the best environments or the or the best way of doing things then then that is a good thing and it's a good thing for me because i learn new tools at the same time and 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 i learn and i go on a new journey and i go on a new quest and i love learning new stuff and and i love exploring stuff so you know i wouldn't do it i wouldn't love doing it for me as well um so it's you know it's not uh, just the case that i like helping other people that is the case because everything um that i've ever loved is connected to that but it starts with you know i'm just exploring myself um so room has kind of come out of all of these like hundreds of hours of client sessions with people where they are experiencing a lack of meaning and a lack of purpose and a lack of direction and then getting very stuck and feeling like a failure. And they're not a failure. They're often uh, nearly always very, very successful people, but feeling this just this intrinsic sense of like, is this it? Is there, is there anything more to life? And, and I feel like I've you know, got to a point where I'm stuck or I'm bored or I'm, I don't know who I am or I've been so entrenched in this version of my life that going into something else feels incredibly scary. And I think many of us get there, like many of us get to that point and probably several times in our lives as well. And I thought, well, this is the, your identity and who you are, I think is becoming more important in the world now than ever. Um, because we're so, uh, you know, I don't want to go on a rant, but we're so sort of pulled by the images of other people and what they're doing and how they're doing that it's easy to lose yourself in that or feel like you failed in some way. And I think that's very damaging uh, for a society at large globally. You know, that's that's a that's a problem that we face. And I think it's really important for people to understand who they are and what they stand for and to, and to not waste that potential to, you know, to to not hold that potential inside of themselves, but to, to do something with it. Like it's a gift that we have. And I, my God, so many years spent just like being really afraid of, of uh, kind of using any of that potential and like, oh gosh, what will people think? And, you know, whatever fail and, and all of those kind of things. And, um, and so that's an important, because it was important to me, it's now important for me to like help other people do the same, to, to, to not waste that um, and to figure out who they are and to, to be proud of their identity. And part of that, of course, comes down to actually
0: owning your story and oh. being able to step into that, which is so important. When, it, when we're looking at our own identity, actually no one else will ever have the same story as us like we're unique in terms of what we do and i know that we've been working together in terms of your pr and you being seen and being heard on a much bigger scale and i think when we first spoke you said i know that i want to be out there but i'm not quite sure whether i even have a story i love that i'm not even sure if i have a story and it's one of the most inspiring stories i know um but quite often we think that way because we're playing small within ourselves and we, we're we kind of not really growing into the version of ourselves that we can be. We're not quite there yet. And for you, in terms of that owning your story, did that help you as well? Like really understand like all of the stages that you were going through, especially over the last kind of couple of years where you're kind of seeing that actually I I do have lots to offer here. I can
1: help others in this way too. Yeah, I think it's definitely helped me kind of pull out the aspects of my story that are usable as a way to illustrate something. Um, and I always think it's quite important not to over-identify with your story. I think you can become quite stuck if you don't allow your story to evolve. And I think that what doing, doing the work with you has done has actually kind of shown me how the story has evolved and allowed it to continue to evolve so that it's not just stuck on like, this is who I am and this is my past and this is my story of the past and, and I'm done that that is continuing to evolve and your story is weaving as we speak. And so for me, it's definitely been very useful of like, okay, first of all, this is how my story can be useful to other people and telling it could be helpful to other people. But also here is where it's going next. And here is how it's going to continue to evolve. And here is how we don't remain stuck in the story and the narrative, but we allow that narrative to grow as we grow.
0: Yeah, completely. I think it's so important that your story continues because we don't just have a, okay, here's three, four chapters and that's the end of the book. The book continues all the time that we're here and we're growing and we're expanding and we're impacting others through what it is that we're doing. Nova, if you have one hope
1: for womb, what would it be that it goes on to achieve. I would love it if it became a sanctuary where people come to be able to rebirth their identity, and that women are find a place there where it's okay to share all of the stuff that's happened up until now and how they're really feeling, not how they want to people to think that they're feeling, And that from that place we don't get stuck there. We actually go from the womb back out into the world again. And from that, you know, birthing from the womb out into the world again, that we actually rebirth our story, rewrite our story. And and I would love that to, to continue to grow and, and to continue to scale um, so it can help more people do that.
0: Amazing. And do you feel now that you have had the second operation, you've had the mastectomy, that actually that is part of your rebirthing story, like that you you've had this big thing happen to you, but actually now you're back out there in the world and you're going forward and you're able as a result of doing everything to to be able to inspire others in the way that you are.
1: It's definitely a case of, well, a few things really. I suppose firstly, it's kind of reduced that uh, risk. So it it kind of gives you a bit of freedom to be like, okay, that's not something I need to worry about now. So that's good. That's done. and I think there is a sense of before and after, um, and this is who I am now. So I, yeah, I think it has been a rebirth of sorts because it just increases your resilience every time as well. You know, it's like, well, I've dealt with that. So why are we worried about this? And um, and it just helps you, I think it helps you get rid of the fear as well as sort of like, well, what's the worst that's gonna happen? Like nothing really, um, for most things, for most things. Um, so yeah, it it's been, it's been good to go through that and show myself that well, everything's fine. Has it shifted
0: your perception of things? So you worry less about the little things.
1: I think that has been a natural consequence of it for sure. I'm not sure that I've consciously, um, delved into it, but I think there's definitely a kind of, um, yeah, I think, I think there is a sense of that for sure. Um, and I think, I I stopped worrying about the little things as soon as I realized that the mission was bigger than the little things that were going to get in the way of the mission. I think that was probably, um, really helpful. And working with you has helped with that as well, just kind of hone that mission, understand that mission, tell that mission. Um, and then that becomes like your, your compass. Um, and then the little things don't matter. And of course the story, your story, your personal story is part of that, why behind the mission so all of it kind of comes together and becomes more important than than the other things that might get in the way or that used to get in the way
0: yeah absolutely nova it's been brilliant to have you with us if someone's looking to find you and to either work with you in your capacity as a, a leadership coach or you know
1: find out more about womb where can they find you Go to my website, so novacobbin.com and then uh, everything is on there to branch you off to the different things. I've got a lovely free quiz on there at the moment to help you with your um, identity as well. So they can do that. Yeah, love a good quiz. And uh, talking
0: of quizzes, if you are wondering whether or not you are ready for PR, we have a free quiz and it is at pr-quiz.com. Give it a go. You get a free download report that will tell you where you're at in your stage, like whether or not there's something that you need to improve in, work on, whatever else. And 9, times out of 10, it will send you through to our free Facebook community, the communications community, which of course, we would love you all to join. Thank you so much for joining us today for The Power of Storytelling. We will see you again next time.